God. Oh, my, doesn't that make you feel wonderful? So happy. All that appreciate the Brother Einer, Brother Wormel singing, just raise your hands. I want to show you, Brother, how you appreciate them. I've been thinking recently about maybe having a starting buying me a tent, a good sized tent, and see if I get these brothers to go along with me and just take around around the nations, uh, singing and preaching the gospel and praying for the sick. Kind of filling in time till the Lord comes, you see, till it's all over then, and we can go home. And I'll just listen to them day and night, all day, because there's no night over there, over in the other world, singing the glorious gospel. Brother Wormel, Brother Egberg, only God alone knows how I appreciate it. You're singing now. You see how the congregation appreciates it. We thank these brethren from the depths of our hearts. Little brother sitting here. John, that's all I know his name is. A plumber, I believe. And I hope he gets every plumber in California has the same kind of attitude towards Christ that this man has. It's been so wonderful having his help and how he's, he's worked day and night and get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and get off and drive 50 miles to work and come back and get over here and, and stay here maybe till around midnight. And then, You know, that's hard work. And he's done it freely. And... We just love him for it, don't we? We all appreciate this, our brother. I don't see little brother Oregon Bride. He's around here somewhere, perhaps. Maybe he's got him yet. Another gallant little soldier of God. If he isn't here, well, all right. I don't want him to hear it anyhow. I want you to hear it, see. He's a real, real brother. Just, I've known him now for some time. And he's one of the nicest little men that I ever met in my life. And his little teeny Irish wife, just as both of them together, just about make one good-sized person. You see, they're so small. And so, but we've been staying at their house. And talk about a lovely home, always open, prayer, Christ-like. We certainly appreciate Brother and Sister Oregon Bright and all the folks on Zion's Hill up there. They call it Zion's Hill. The, the whole atmosphere there is Christianity. And so we are so happy for them and his efforts. Now, Brother Oregon Bart just never runs out of things to do for the Lord Jesus, and he doesn't do them grudgingly. He just freely goes out and does them. I couldn't have even taken trips overseas if it hadn't been his help. And he's got a burden on his heart. When he hits a burden for some nation, here he'll come. I'll see it. His car driving in the yard, and I'll say, well, me to say, my wife say, well, here we go overseas again, don't we? <laughs> so, uh, Brother Oregon Bright with a burden on his heart, and he's such a godly little person, even I have no leading, yet I'll go with him because I know God leads him. And so we appreciate him with all of our hearts. And sometimes when you meet him, tell him so. He was the one who got me out here. He's way in Switzerland for years. He's been telling me, I've got a burden for San Fernando Valley. And I said, well, where's that at? Now, I don't know too much about the country. Way up there, a little neglected people. Got a few little churches sit down there, and they're struggling hard. Uh-huh. He said, would you go up there? 
Now, you may not have many in congregation, but will you go? I said, if there's only one, that'll be all right. See, just don't make any difference for that. You know, that might seem strange to people. We never look at numbers. We never look at quality. We look at quality. <laughs> what we're after. Philip was having a big revival down in Samaria one time. And God called him away from a great audience to go out in the desert and meet one person and never did send him back. Is that right? See? So we, we look at it in that respect. It's different now. To all the cooperating pastors here that's cooperate with them, I don't know the brethren, but they're a fine bunch of men. And you new converts from around this part of the country get into their churches. Help them. I would try to support men who believe in a ministry like this, don't you? A gospel, a full gospel. Get into the churches. There's other good churches here. And we appreciate every one of them. All these men, your efforts, my dear brother, I pray that God will help you and bless you in every manner. And then to the ushers, they've done a wonderful job. And we appreciate them, even the custodian around. Everybody's been so kind to you people. Brother Oregon, right? I've been trying to get him usually after his service is over. They take up a love offering for me. Now, I'm, I never took an offering in my life. I started to one time. I never forget it. I'm pastor in a church 12 years, never took a dime in my life. I worked and I supported it to support the church. So I remember the afternoon I come in and oh my, we were really stricken that week. And you know how you hit them points, you can't make a meet, you know what? That was bad. And I said, you know, honey, not because now they wouldn't help me. No, sir, that little tabernacle would have sold their, their uh, clothes to help me. Now, I, I appreciate them, but it's because I just wouldn't take it. So I, I thought I was able to work. Why not work? Now, I'll tell you the truth. I'll say this from the depth of my heart. I wish when I go into these campaigns I could get me a good job somewhere. If it wasn't nothing but splitting wood or busting concrete, something. That's the truth. I mean it from my heart. So that I could at least support my family or something, but they take up the little love offering to help me to support my family. And um, so I remember I told the wife, I said, I'm going to take up an offering tonight. She said, honest? And I said, mm-hmm. So she said, I'll go over and watch him. So she, um, she gets over and purchases herself right out in front of me. I got up and I said, well, folks, I said, I... I don't like to do this, I said, but kind of got a little snag. I said, if one of the brothers would pass a hat around, I said, hate to ask you, but I said, if you help me with a few nickels, I said, I'm a little bit under, about $5. I said, I can't make it, and I owe a debt, and I promised to make it, and I can't do it. I said, if you help me, I appreciate it. The old deacon got up and looked at me, poor old brother, wise heart, if any of you all happen to be around, reached over and got his hat. And I looked down, sitting down to my right, and a little old woman named Mrs. Weber, she was sitting there, a very godly, saintly little old woman, and she reached under this little apron she wore outside of her dress. Ladies do that a whole lot in the South. And she got this pocket thing in here, beneath the apron, pulled out a little pocketbook about like that, with a little snap on top of it, turned it back, began to reach down there among them nickels. Mm. I couldn't do it. I looked at it. I said, oh, I was just teasing you all. 
I didn't mean that. And uh, so Brother Wildcard had my hat, the hat and he said, I said, oh, Brother Wildcard, I was just going on to see. I'll tell you, I couldn't stand that to save my life. See, that poor little thing reached out getting out that nickels of her little, mm. No, sir, not of that. And you know what I've done? There's an old brother used to come to my house the name of Brother Ryan. He follows me out west, everything. He just recently went to glory. He's about 80 years old, long white beard. And um, he had hair. I used to get angry about it. But I, man oughtn't to wear long hair. And I used to kiss him in the house of David, but he's a Pentecostal brother. And so he had, uh, he rode a bicycle down there and from Project, Michigan, and he gave me the bicycle. Didn't have any fenders on it and hardly any tires and pretty bad shape. And I was sitting out there in a little coal shed, so I went out and got me a 10 cent can of paint down at the 10 cent store, painted it all up and put a sign on it for sale and sold it for $5 and didn't even have to have it. Take up the offering. So that's what I was close to the offering as I ever took up. <laughs> but, out in the meetings, and perhaps they did. I told Brother Argybank, I look, all the efforts that you dear people, we haven't had but just a little group of people, the expenses are high, and I know that if, if you've done everything that you possibly could do, and you don't know how I appreciate that, sorry to even had to take it. If I could underwrite it, I'd do it, but, oh, brother, <laughs> I, I couldn't do it. And I... And I appreciate your effort. God will, I pray that he'll multiply you a hundredfold. But I understood by the grapevine, you know, that the expenses wasn't met. I told Brother Argy about it. If he'd taken up a love offering for me to turn it over to the expenses of the church. And I had $300 to start out here from, from another meeting. I had enough to get back on. and I could pay my bill and so forth while I was here. It'd be all right. And now... This meeting striking that, not your cause, but it's just somehow we may be out of section or something or other. They didn't have the audience enough to take care of the expenses. I've missed it two times, and both of it was in California, one down at the other place and one up here. And I promised the Lord that when my meetings got to a place that didn't financially support itself, and I never will let them beg. If anyone ever begs for money or who's going to give $50 and so forth, that's the time that we stop. Yes, sir. I don't believe in that. No, sir. God is able. And I said, now, Lord, when you don't support me, then it's time for me to come in home. So, now, now, I don't believe in begging money. But anyhow, we have a way, and God has made a way for us now that through our efforts, we, we can pay off everything and it'll be taken care of fine. Now, this is not saying, now, remember, you dear people just put in money and done all you could if you if you need something and and there's not enough to make it up and everybody you, you can't do it you know i don't know what it is why well, somebody come ask me this afternoon and say well damn i wish you let me have five thousand dollars oh brother i wish you could <laughs> but i couldn't do it so that's you, you get the measure i'm talking in now we appreciate all your efforts and god bless you i hope someday if God is willing and you'll let me, I'll get to come back and stay a little longer where we can maybe have a bigger meeting sometime when you come back to San Fernando. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Connie. To keep my wife from completely fainting when she knows she's going to have to walk up on a platform. She's... I come at the house where she was just before they left. They brought me in and emptied up the place so I could study. She was a nervous little thing ever seen in my life. I felt sorry for her. She said, 
Billy, am I really going to have to get up there? And I said, just walk up on the platform, honey. She said, oh, oh, I know. <laughs> Don't think about that. She wants to come up before the anointing strikes. And my wife, as timid and bashful as she is, she's still a very spiritual person. And I say this, because she'll just probably walk up and walk back. But I hope and trust that every young man in this building and every young couples today, and when you get married, that your life will be just as happy together as she and I have been together the 15 years nearly that we've been married. And like heaven on earth. And if there's any credit to be given to the Branham family, give it to her. She's the one who deserves it. That's right. A real woman, a real talent. All right, honey, wherever you are, she's here somewhere. And I want to hear my little girl, Sarah. I got a little Rebecca, a little Sarah, and a Joseph. How many remember when I first come to California several years ago, told you was going to have a Joseph? Let's see your hand. And the strange thing was, the next child was born was a, a girl. <laughs> but the Lord told me I'd have a Joseph. Doctor says she can't have any more children. So that's the Syrians. My wife has to have sexual birth. Her and her people. And so the little Sarah was born. And she's tomboy enough to be a Joseph. But after all, after several years, along come little Joseph. He weighs 18 pounds and six months old. And we love him with all of our hearts. Brother and sister, my wife... I'm certainly happy to be here, friends, and to meet all you lovely people, and really enjoying these services in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, sweetheart. That's the best you've ever done. Thank you. Oh, she's as bashful as her mother. Well, thank you, sweetheart, and thanks to little Sarah. And... Now, that's the little lady that you hear on the telephone that sits day and night at the telephone and at the door constantly, all the time, meets the public, 36 years old and almost snow white-headed, almost to a nervous breakdown right now because she's just in such a fix. She stands between me and the public of the world, all around the world, and she certainly has the time. God bless her gallant soul, and someday, where all good mothers go, may she be there forever. The Lord bless her. Thank you all for making her so welcome. We, we love you for that very much. And now, here's some handkerchiefs to be prayed for. And is these gloves to be prayed over? No, yeah, someone, someone lost them. Now, I do, in the, in the services, I get gloves, I get little children's little stockings. And here's some time ago out. This is kind of cute. We've got just a little bit of time to have fellowship, haven't we, before we start? I was going down to Louisiana, and we were going way down in the southern Louisiana to have a meeting. And while down there, I lost the suitcase off the top of the car, right among the colored district. Mr. Moore said to me, he said, Brother Branham, you haven't even got a chance. He said, you'll never see that suitcase. Without even a pocket handkerchief, said, what are you going to do? I said, well, the uh, only thing I'm going to do is just go right ahead and preach the gospel. He said, well, look, Brother Branham, said, those colored folks said, that's a mean district in there. I said, that don't hurt. I said, the colored folks like me, and I love them. He said, well, 
if the, um, I said my Bible was in there, somebody had just gave me a new suit and it was in there, and I had an old ragged wore out suit on, and he said, said, all you got is in that suitcase. I said, yeah, that's all right. Uh, he, I said, well, my Bible is in there. He said, well, now, if one of the sinners find it, they'll throw the Bible away and take the suits and away they'll go. And he said, and then you can't win. He said, if the Christians find it and know who you are, they'll cut that suit to pieces and send prayer off one to another. <laughs> he, said, he said, you got to lose. And we got way down in the southern part of the state where we was going to have the service and pulled into a little place down there. And so they were, the next thing, there's a policeman come up and he told him, he said, would you radio back? A preacher lost his suitcase up there. And he said, sure, you know, as Southern talk. He said, hey, it ain't Brother Branham's suitcase, is it? He said, yeah, well, I said, he prayed for my mother, and she was in a wheelchair, and she was healed. He said, sure, i get that suitcase. And away he went, and he radioed over two or three days. No, no good, no work. So Brother Moore said, there's nothing about it, Brother Branham. We're going over and buy you a new suit to replace your suits and things, get you some shirts. I said, this is not too dirty. This is all right. And so I was preaching right on. And the first thing you know, I was always, he said, no, we're not going to stand it any longer. You're going right now. And the phone rang. said, say, somebody wants you, Mr. Moore, on the phone. He went on there. Old colored fellow said, hey, is this you, Mr. Jack? said, yeah. said, is, is, is Brother Brandon with you? said, yeah. said, you tell Mr. Bill, I don't found his suitcase. I was on my own with it. <laughs> I said, Brother Moore, where's your face? <laughs> trying. Well, the Lord bless. Shall we pray now as we pray for the handkerchief? Our dear Heavenly Father, we bring humbly to Thee this day before Thee these handkerchiefs, cloths, gloves, whatever more this laying present, asking You to be so kindly to heal every one that these represent. May Thy loving mercy rest upon them all. The prayer of faith shall save the sick and God shall raise them up. Now in the Bible, where we read this over in the book of your writings, the 19th chapter of Acts of the Holy Spirit in the Apostles, we see where the great Saint Paul, taken from his body, handkerchiefs and aprons, unclean spirits left the people and diseases, and they were healed. The people saw that you were with Paul. And they had faith, so they wanted to take from his body paper and handkerchiefs and so forth. And you honored every one of them. And they ever, the Bible said that diseases and afflictions left the people. Now, Father, we realize that we're not St. Paul. He's come home to your house long years ago, but you still remain Jesus, the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see your Spirit moving among us. The same faith that was in them people is in the people here today. Thou dost take your man, but never your spirit. And I pray, Father, that in commemoration of this great act of the people of that day, these people today with the same faith is now sending handkerchiefs. May each of them be healed. I humbly and reverently, with all my heart and soul, ask that you'll bless everyone and heal everyone that these tokens are meant for. In Jesus' name, my beloved Son, we ask it. Amen. I think immediately at the service, these will be given to those who have need. And now, 
If you happen, just a moment, I get to pray for Father God, I pray, late but finally arrived, I ask you to bless her. And wherever this anxious intended, may it be the blessing that she's asking in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Don't weary. There's something about a little old mother that just makes me... Don't you feel that way? Sometime I go way up in the Indian reservation and an old mother one night come crippling up to the altar on crutches and she had to hold him down like that. She looked up at me and the tears running down her cheeks and through her deep wrinkles. And she reached over and got her crutches and handed them to me, straightened up, walked off the platform. No prayer or nothing. She's an Indian. I looked at her and I thought, somebody's mother. I'm not sure, is this the lady sitting right out here that met me at Clifton's the other day and talked to me and shaking my hand at, down at Clifton's? Are you the lady there? She was so happy about something taking place in the meeting. Last evening, in a little restaurant up the highway near somewhere after the services was over, they take me out to eat. And I was sitting there enjoying a hamburger when a group of people come in. And a young man that said he'd been suffering with some sort of headaches or something for so long and how it left him and hadn't bothered him since. This lady here about her loved ones being saved or something or other taking place and that she was so happy about it. She said, Brother Branham, there's been so much happened. I don't want to be like the unworthy leper. I want to return to give thanks. I appreciate it, sister. God bless your gallant soul. Now, many of you perhaps have had blessings. So just tell it to someone else to magnify the Lord Jesus to who we give praise and glory. Thinking of the different crippled people. Now we got a couple of wheelchairs, three sitting here now. And we got two cops. Let's ask God today that he'll let every one of them, I believe I see crutches laying under a man's chair there. Just ask God that he'll let them walk out of here today without their support now. Just be reverent. Now, if I've missed anybody of some way of saying things, yeah, a man's pointing to a blind man sitting there. May he, like old blind Fanny Crosby, pass me not, O gentle Savior, hear my humble cry, and while on others I calling, do not pass me by. Wish I had the power to come forth today to heal every one of you at sick. I'd do it. I don't have it. Wish I had the power to save every one of the sinners that's in here. I, I can't do it. I haven't got it. No other man has got it outside of Jesus Christ. And now he's freely give it to you if you can accept it by faith, both for your salvation and for your healing. He was wounded for our transgressions with his stripes we were healed. All this sad, I'd like to make you happy. I can't do it. But he has already did it. Uh, he bore it to Calvary, and the only thing you have to do is accept it. Just believe it. Now, if I can be a blessing to you any time, let me know. If you need a handkerchief and didn't get it in here today, just give me a call or something in Jeffersonville, Indiana, and I'll be glad to send you a little handkerchief. They're free, a little strip of ribbon it is. Um, I'll pray over and send to you. I'll be praying for you all the time. And I'll perhaps maybe in the next few months, I'll be back overseas again, down through the dark countries, 
Will you pray for me? I remember San Fernando Valley. The people said they'd be praying. The Lord bless you now. And just before we open the pages, just for a short service, we don't want to be in here more than 45 minutes to an hour now. And we call the prayer line and pray for the sick. And we have to move along. And I have to leave for home, and I got to start in Louisiana again right away. I think we'll be back in Phoenix pretty soon. I asked Brother Eckberg, where is Brother Eckberg? Was he sitting here? Where's he at? Is he in the meeting yet? Brother Eckberg, would you raise up your hand if you're here? Brother Einer Eckberg, I don't see him. Maybe he's just stepped out of him and Brother Wormo. But I asked them to come to Phoenix with me. And the Lord God bless you now. While we bow our heads for a moment of prayer, Lord Jesus, come now. If we sinned in any manner, forgive us. And I pray that your great blessings will rest upon each and every one. We've come under the care and the wings of the Almighty. We're praying to him today through the appropriated way, coming by the shed blood of the Lord Jesus, confessing our wrongs, our unworthiness. No merits we have. We only come because we've been bidden to come. He said, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I'll do it. We believe that because we look at the resource where it come from. Who said it? None other than the beloved child of the Almighty God, who is the heart bosom of the Father. And we pray now that you'll receive us. Come get your word, Lord, and speak it through mortal lips to mortal ears, and may it go into heart and dash strike the soul. Give faith for the coming services. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, in the opening of the word, <clears throat> and I was going to speak altogether, today was on my heart, to speak on the subject of God in his universe, but seeing in my time getting away, I will speak over from the book of Exodus, the fourth chapter. I know you have to go to church tonight, and so We'll try to let out early. We want a good long prayer line this afternoon. Many people to be called to pray for. And now we'll turn with me to the fourth chapter of Exodus. You that marks it down. I just love the word, don't you? Faith cometh by hearing, hearing the word of God. No matter how many little things that we try to do or say, how many little fictitious things and so forth, and our appeasement of our theology, it simply just doesn't work as it comes from the Word of God. That's where our faith rests. Now as we read, and Moses answered and said, But behold, they will not believe me. Now hearken unto my voice, for they will say, The Lord has not appeared unto thee. And the Lord said unto him, What is that in thy hand? And he said, A rod. May the Lord add his blessings to these words. And for while we try to, by the Holy Spirit to get the context from this, we'll make the text, What is that in your hand? <clears throat> this was a great day. It was a day, Moses, we all know that how God had called Moses and chose him in the early days. 
how that he was born to be a prophet, and when he came from his mother, she recognized that he was a that he was a proper child. Moses again a perfect type of the Lord Jesus, born during the time of persecution. How the enemy tried to kill him, just like they tried to kill the Lord Jesus. When Jesus was born, the Roman Empire issued forth an uh, issue to kill all the children from two years old. And Moses, when he was born, saw as a proper child, his parents hid him like Joseph and Mary hid Jesus. Everything, he was born to be a deliverer and to be a prophet, to be a priest. And so was Jesus, just in every way. But Moses, when the law was given, Moses failed. He came down and struck the rock that was in his hand and threw it down and broke the commandments on the cause of a weakness he had, which was temper. And he broke the commandments and went back showing that that priesthood, the Levitical priesthood, would be broken. And in his temptation, he was 40 days in the wilderness, and Jesus was in the wilderness 40 days, and when he come out, Satan tempted him at his weakest spot, hunger, 40 days fast. But when he met, when he met Moses, he could overthrow him, but when he met Jesus, he found out that there's something more than Moses there. He said, if thou be the Son of God, perform a miracle here before me. Let me see you do it. I'll believe you. Make bread here out of these stones. If you're the Son of God, you can do it. Jesus knew that he only did what the Father showed him. He said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Continually on, Satan battled at him. And even used the scriptures, and Jesus come back, and it's all so written. And Jesus defeated Satan without using any divine gift that he had. Showing that the weakest of Christians can defeat Satan on the word of God. And that's the reason that I try to get before the person. Nothing in the individual, the preacher, is in Christ. And Christ is in his word. you believe that? Listen to this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, died and rose again, and in us today the same Word that was in the beginning. This Bible is the letter of God, and every promise in it belongs to you if you can... Believe it and accept it in the right kind of an attitude. It's in you. The hope of glory, Christ. Notice. Now how do we come into Christ? First, we receive him by faith believing. Secondly, by one spirit then, we are all baptized into one body. First Corinthians 12. By one membership, by one spirit, we are all baptized into one body. That is believers that's already believed on the Lord Jesus Christ are baptized into the body of Christ by one Holy Spirit. That's a little against my Baptist teachings, but that's the Bible. I'm a Baptist as long as it stays in the Bible. After that, I'm the Bible. We are taught that you receive the Holy Ghost when you believe, but Paul said, Acts 19, to a bunch of Baptists. Yes, sir. There's with Apollos. And Apollos was one of John's converts. 
And when Paul passed through the upper coast of Ephesus, he finds certain disciples, he said to them, Have ye received the Holy Ghost since ye believed? That's right. Since ye believed. They said they were believers, having great joy, shoutings and praising the Lord. said, While we know not where there be any Holy Ghost, said unto how was you baptized? said unto John. They were Baptists. Said John baptized them to repent and sin as you should believe on them as come on the Lord Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Paul laid his hands upon them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. That's many years after Pentecost. The blessing was still going on. It's still going on today, and will till Jesus comes wherever the congregation gathers together. Whether they're Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, whatever they are, when they let Jesus in, signs of a flock in the church like uh, sparks off of an anvil beating on a hot piece of iron. That's right. When, when they let Christ come in. Always, always signs. When God appears, watch what takes place. Moses had been a total failure. And there may be men here this afternoon, maybe ministers, that's been total failures. Maybe you've been as a housewife. Maybe you've been as a student at this school. Maybe you've been as a child to your parents. Whatever you have been, let that be has been and start from today, no matter what it is. Maybe you've been a failure as a Christian. Maybe you failed to go on with God. If it has been, take note to what I'm going to say just in a few moments about this. Moses failed down in Egypt when he was born to be a deliverer, to bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Why? Because he did it in himself. He took it upon himself to do it. And any time you take things upon yourself and leave God out, then you're going to be a failure like Moses was. He thought he could do it. Seen an Egyptian beating an Israelite, so he just killed him and covered him up. And when he did it, he became a refugee in another land, over in the land of Ethiopia. And he went over there and married a wife. He was got him a job herding sheep. And he married a Jethro... The priest of Midia, he married his daughter, and there was two children born to him. And he got a common laborer's job, a sheep herder, and had been herding sheep for 40 years because he failed to put God first. I think that's what's been the matter with the churches. Brother, when it gets to a place that we put our church first instead of Christ, we're going right straight down. When you put him as an individual, put your church first, your social life first, instead of your spiritual life, you're going to fail. May I stop just a moment? Someone said the other day, he said, Brother Graham, I appreciate your preaching, but you go from Genesis to Revelation. <laughs> it's all Bible. It's all right. I just have to go where he leads me, you see. And when he was building the Temple of Solomon... They had all the stones cut out. Everything was set in order. But they found a funny-looking stone. They didn't think a thing like that would ever mount to anything. So they just kicked it out over into the weed pile. And they went on with their mortar and their stones, putting them together. And come to find out that the very thing that they had rejected, they built so far, and they found out they couldn't go any farther. There was a stone missing. And they built up to it, but couldn't go any farther. And the very stone was missing was the chief cornerstone that they kicked out to one side. I say that, 
I'll say for the Baptists, and then you Presbyterians can glory in it. All right. One of the chief things with the Baptists or any other church and what we've all done and what you Pentecostals are doing, right, you're rejecting the only principle, the only keystone that there is, is Christ. When you kick it out, you might say, oh, it won't work in our program. Oh, what program will he work in then? You just get out of your program into his program and the church will move on. Put the cornerstone down first. If you don't, you'll find out after a while it's just brick and mortar again. So they had to receive the headstone first before they could, the cornerstone, before they could go on. Moses had rejected that. He had rejected the principles of Christ. And then he thought he was right. But then he become a refugee and married and had these children and was herding Jethro's sheep. Got him a job of herding sheep. Forty years, he'd gone up and down on the backside of the desert there, a herding sheep. Down the same old path. An old man, 80 years old. He was called when he was 40. Did you know 40 is God's calling age? Look at Joshua, Caleb, David at the throne, all so forth, on and on. But when he was 40... God called him, and at 80, he had been 40 years in rejection. Moses' life consisted of 120 years. 40 years of it was coming up to be taught. 40 years of it was total failure. 40 years then he served the Lord. Now, coming down this pathway one morning, walking along the same old path that had always come, but he happened to see something strange. It was a bush on fire that didn't seem to burn up. And he said, I'll turn aside to see this strange thing. Now, there's where Moses made one of the greatest moves he ever made was to turn aside, not to criticize, but turn aside to see what this strange thing was. Oh, my brethren, if you only, you might think these things are strange. But turn aside and sit down like Moses did. And he sat down to look at it. One of the greatest scientists, Luxman, he said, how did you come? They said, how did you know so much about science? He said, you know how I learned it? I sat down in the presence of Mother Nature and just opened up my arms to her. And she opened up my heart and told me about it. And that's where you have to do Christ. Just sit down by the side of the gospel. Open up your heart to Christ. He'll talk to you. Nature of God will talk back to you. Moses turned aside to see what the strange thing was. Now, he never said, I'll take a few of the leaves and go down to the laboratory and have them examined by the chemist to find out why. See, he wasn't curious like that. He just simply sat down and turned aside and watched the sight. A fire burning, strange fire. And when he did... God spoke to him and said, Moses, take off your shoes, for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. Now, what if Moses said, Lord, it's just a little bit of trouble me to do that, so I'll just take off my hat. God didn't say take off your hat. He said take off your shoes. And many people say, well, I'll just join church. That isn't what Christ said. Ye must be born again. Not how much you join church, but you got to be born again. And 
Moses took off his shoes and came up in reverence. That's the way you have to approach God, in reverence. Not curious, but laying aside every weight, every doubt, and come up reverently and say, Lord, what would you have your servant do? Approach him reverently. It wasn't an easy thing that night sitting in the building. Away back there in a little fish camp. When I just seen the vision since it's boy, then coming on up and seeing the whirlwinds. But when I heard that walking on the floor, not a vision. No, sir, I know what a vision is. Surely. But this was a vision. The man was standing there. I heard him walking. Walked up to where I was, had his hands folded. I was scared to death. I grabbed my thumb, began to bite on my nail. He said, do not fear. I knew that was the same voice that spoke to me since I was a little boy. The first time I ever seen him in form of a man. He said, I've been sent from Almighty God to tell you you're to go to pray for sick people. And then reveal what would take place. That settled it for me. And when they told me I'd go lose my mind if I went and did that, I didn't pay any attention to them because I had come to him reverently. No matter what people say, what God says and people says is two different things. You listen to people, you'll be in all kinds of a condition. But you listen to God, you'll be a Christian. And when he walked up, reverently took off his shoes, God told him, said, I've seen the affliction of my people. I've heard their groans and moans. And I've come down to deliver them. And I want you, the one that made a failure 40 years ago, I want you to go right back and backtrack yourself. I'm sending you right down. Oh, Moses said, I, I can't talk very good, Lord. Said, I, I'm kind of slow of speech. He said, I, I just can't do it. He said, who made the mouth of man? And began to really calm Moses down. That's what God does. Brother, he shakes you down. Had to build up again. That's the way the people are there. You don't like to get broke up. You've got to be broke up before you can be remade. The prophet went out to the potter's house to get broke up, to get on the wheel and spun out something different. If you're a sinner, get on the wheel. God will break you up, mold you different, shape your life up different, shape your home life different. Notice, Moses said, Lord, I can't go, but God was determined that he was going. And he said, Moses, you must go. And he said, show me your glory, Lord. And notice, God told Moses, said, what's that in your hand? He said, it's a stick, a rod, just an old dry stick off the desert where he walked along like this with it in his hand. That may be all that he had was a stick. Maybe you haven't even got that much. But whatever you got, give it to God. Look what he did with that stick. That was the same kind of a pole that the serpent that it was made out of here was made in the wilderness, representing Christ. He threw it down and it turned into a snake. Judgment already, past judgment. The serpent from the Garden of Eden already judged. Picked it up from the tail and it became again a stick. Put his hand in his bosom. Turned leprosy. Tuck it out. Put it back in again and it was clean. When he tuck it out again. Then surely, he wanting to see God's glory, divine healing is included in the glory of God. He healed him. Another thing, showing that the heart is deceitful, full of leprosy. 
and the, the hand that sways the power, God's power rod, has to be clean, made divinely clean. And he put his hand in his bosom, it was healed with leprosy, tuck it out, and he could yield his stick then. Then he seen his glory. After he seen his glory, he didn't care how many critics or anything else, he was on his way to Egypt. And any man or any woman, not standing off from a critical condition, but will accept the unadulterated word of God and believe it in your heart, all devils out of hell can't upset you then. Certainly not. John Sproul, a friend of mine, not long ago was telling me he was down at Los Salarines and was going through a great garden there. There was a statue of Christ. And he and his wife were standing off looking at it. He was criticized that there was nothing in there that looked like the suffering of Christ. And the man said to him, the guide said, Sir, are you criticizing that, that statue? He said, Yes. He said, You're looking at it wrong. He said, Come here. See this altar? He said, Get out on your knees and look up now. And said, so When he looked up, his heart would break. The sculpture had made it so that when you, you don't stand off and look at it like this, you have to get out and look up to it to really see what it looks like. And that's the way God wrote his word. Not to stand off from a high-pointed, psychological, educational standpoint and say, Oh, I don't know the days of miracles. Oh, I don't know whether it's really right or not. God doesn't write his word for that. Get out on your knees and look up through the promise, through the blood of the Lord Jesus. It'll look a lot different to you when he comes that way. It is to be criticized and saying these things was and this won't be. But the Bible said Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and every principle, every power. On your knees and look up that way. Then it will look different to you. Things look different to Moses. He had a vision. The vision changed his life. If you ever get a vision of the living God, it will change your life. If you could ever once see really what he is. And how that men and women, now I say this with reverence, but knowing that someday I must be firm now. For I've got to meet every individual I preach to at the judgment bar of God. And there, I'd rather be, you'd be a little angry with me here and love me there. And to know what that day you'd say, you deceiver, you know different than you wouldn't tell me. I'd rather tell you the truth. Man, got to receive Christ as a personal Savior and be born again and filled with the Holy Spirit to ever get into God and know anything about Him? If it's not, it's an educational standpoint. It might be a change of mind. You can have a change of mind without having a change of heart. A lot of ministers take good churches and so forth because it's a meal ticket. A lot more better people pay a lot better at the church. That's not a change of heart. That's a change of mind. I'd rather lay on my stomach and eat Soda crackers and drink branch water and preach the true word of God if I have to preach it on the street corner than to compromise with the devil and live in the best palace that they had and have to compromise. Preach the truth. I'd rather wear a hand-me-down suit and my shoes off my feet and preach the gospel and tell the truth about it the way God writes it in here than to compromise with the devil and take a back seat. Amen. Be honest with people. Preach the gospel, that's what God says. Let the chips fall where they will. That's the thing to do. The axe is laid to the root of the tree. Moses was a changed man, not with all of his education his mother gave him, 
Not with all the education and military genius that he was that Pharaoh had trained him to be, and yet Moses took a great choice. Moses said he esteemed the reproach of Christ greater treasures than that of Egypt. What a Pharaoh would only look into the word and see what Moses did. And Moses made his choice 40 years back that he had rather serve God than to become the heir and the greatest uh, king in the earth to be a Pharaoh of Egypt. He made his choice, but yet, brother, until he met God face to face, he was still trying to do it in himself. Now, I believe today there's a many a good preacher across the nation. I say this reverently, brethren. There's a many a good preacher across the nation that's really a polished up scholar, a real man. That's never went no farther than to accept Christ. What you need today is to come face to face with the facts and be born again with an old time Holy Ghost experience like they had back in the Bible days and accept Jesus Christ as they did then. A vision of that will change your whole being. My brother, my sister, make you a different person. Be born again. See the vision of the Lord. How he appeared there. Signs. Where God appears, the signs appears with God. Never does God appear without showing signs and wonders of his being. I'm so thankful to know that right here, not out there somewhere, not across the seas, but right here on the corner of Lancashire Boulevard, right here, Almighty God has made himself present in these last few nights here and proven that his son Christ is raised from the dead and showing and doing the same things that he did when he was here on earth. Amen. And we're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it's the power of God and the salvation of everyone that will believe. A changed man. Oh, when he got that new vision, keep him out of Egypt. You couldn't do it if you had to. He was a scared to go down. He was scared of Pharaoh. He was a scared of all the Egyptians because he was wanted for murder. But now I try to stop him. He got close to God. He'd seen an angel. A vision had come before him. He'd warmed up to the fire of God. He got his, he got his heart warm when he was standing there. He'd seen some miracles and supernatural things. The people's going to disbelieve him, but God had been with him. And every man, you might be a little coward groceryman or a doctor or a lawyer, whatever you want, sitting back in a corner joining some church or something and thinking you're all right, but you get into the presence of Almighty God someday. Well, the power and fire of God's upon him, you will be a different person. You'll tell all your doctor friends that Jesus Christ lives and reigns. You'll tell every person that comes into your grocery You'll tell your clients as a lawyer or whatever it is that Jesus Christ is raised from the dead and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you can't do it standing off looking at it. You've got to get into it. Get it yourself personally. Notice him. Now he's a new man. Here he goes. Now how the world will criticize you when you do this. Don't expect a flower bed of ease. If everybody talked good about me and Everything went fine. Didn't have any troubles and draws. I'd go back to the altar and say, Lord, what's the matter here? There's something wrong. For all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's the Bible. That's what Jesus said. He can't fail. His words are true. All. Not just some of them. All that live godly in Christ Jesus. Notice how this is. Now he's a new man. He's got a new vision. He goes home right quick 
gets his wife, sets her straddle mule and a kid under each arm like this, grabs this old mule and stick in his hand, the white beard of going one way and a hair or another, going down like that. So where are you going, Moses? Going down to Egypt to take over. Why the world would have laughed at him? What a horrible sight. What a room for a critic. And many times Almighty God gives room for critics to prove that they are critics. That didn't soak in this good, I'll tell you again. God makes room for criticism. What'd you think? Ridiculous. An old man, 80 years old, dragging a mule along, little old donkey, his wife sitting on there with a child under each arm, going down to Egypt to the greatest military nation in the world. While Russia would be, in comparison, to be a little thing. So what? That was one man invasion. <laughs> Amen. With a stick in his hand. By a palace in his heart. Coming from God. He has to do it. I said, Moses, you're just a little bit off, aren't you, son? You're just going a little long. No, sir, God said so. Why, Moses, uh, it's all right for you to have a God. I... I don't mind that, but, but Moses, don't you think you just got a little on the deep end? <laughs> no, sir, he said, I seen God. I walked into his fire. He showed me a vision, and he told me to go, and the promises in my heart, and here I go. And the good thing he did, he went out and took over. Amen. For God promised it, and God will stick good to any promise he ever makes. I know you think I'm a little rational here, but I'm not. See, he went right down and done what God told him to do because it's God's promise. When God makes a promise, he'll stand by his promise. He never fails. God promises you anything, you'll do it. If it's God, I've never seen him make a promise yet that he didn't keep. He always will. What did he have in his hand? A stick. <laughs> whole lot to go against it out of Several million armed men, chariots, horsemen, spears. Look at all the big spears the Egyptians had. Look at the big chariots with sabers on the wheels running like this to chop the man down as they drove through them. Look at the horses with even spears out in front of their head on their plates like this as you run through man to, to kill man as you run through. Not hundreds, not thousands, but millions. And here comes an old man, little old flabby arms, little old piece of cloth wrapped around him like this, old and long white beard, 80 years old, sticking his hand, his eyes are shining, this smile across his face, pulling this mule behind him. Here he goes, <laughs> going down to take over all of Egypt. Hey, <laughs> and he did it. Oh, he wasn't fooling. He'd seen God. <laughs> Amen. He's just that real today. That's right, and he's just that fanatically in the sight of the world. Not only the world, but a lot of church members. True. Just as fanatically. Here he goes down, but in his heart. Well, Moses, you're not even a trained man. Well, you're just a sheep herder. Well, how are you, how are you going to fight with that stick? That's yeah, all right. God told me this is all I had. Do it. <laughs> well, you know, I might even have a stick. Maybe you only sing a song. You can testify. Something, you know, whatever you got, do it. Use it for the glory of God, no matter what it is. If you can't sing, can't whistle, can't testify, can't just pass out tracks, do something else. 
Let's get going. Whatever what's in your hand, use it for the glory of God. God's always had man who would stick by him. One time the, the Israelite army all backed up. They got away from God. They wanted to act like the rest of the nation, so they went and got them a king and refused God. Got them a fine, up-to-date pastor, you know. And so they is all styled up, you know, and the first then the devil knew that, so he sent a great big old fellow out there by the name of Goliath. Stood over on the side of the hill and said, Let me make a proposition with you, you people who claim to be so-and-so. If um, you send one of your men over and let him fight with me, and if I kill him, well, then your armies will serve, your nation will serve ours. And if he kills me, then our nation serves yours. Well, sure, that's the way the devil blows when he's got the odds. That's true. So every Israelite, oh, I'm afraid to do that. Oh, my. I can see him shutting up their saber and scratch their head, but I can't do that. They've been away from the fire too long. That's all. That's right. So one day, there's a little old scrawny-looking, dried-up boy come up there and, and uh, bring his brother some raisins, uh, some raisin candy or whatever he had to bring up to his brothers. His daddy, Jesse, sent him up there. A little old dried-up fellow with a piece of sheepskin, little sheepskin coat on, scrawny-looking. Just a little bitty old fellow. And he come walking up there, and Brother Goliath made the boast in the wrong man's ears then. <laughs> Say, oh, you Israelites over there. Little David turned around and he said, You mean to tell me that you'll stand and let that uncircumcised Philistine defy the armies of the living God? <laughs> Do you mean to tell me that you'll stand in the midst of a war, communistic as it's getting to be and as atheotic as it is, and let them infidels stand up and say there's no Jesus Christ? Then it is words about right, divine healing's wrong. Not while I got breath in my body, they not. No, sir. And God will be with me. Why, certainly. Why, his brother looked around and said, Now, I know you come up here, you little snickle fits, to get into something. You got mischief in your heart. You get back over home to your daddy's sheep. We're the ones standing to this ecclesiastical affair over here. We got it all under control. Yeah, it looks like you got it under control, all right. Oh, we got it all under control. You get back. But some men went along and said, Saul, there's a man out here, a little scrawny-looking boy. Uh, he, he said he'd fight that Philistine. Well, he said, bring him up here. And they brought him up there, and he said, Now, I tell you, son, I admire your courage, but if you can get you a degree, a Bachelor of Art, and you can get a D.D. and so forth, I believe you might, you can try it. And he went and unharnessed his own self and put his big armor on David, but he found out that his ecclesiastical vest didn't fit a man of God. Hallelujah. No, sir. David said, I don't know nothing about them kind of things. But there's one thing I do know. I got a slingshot in my hand. That's all he had, a slingshot. Two strings and a piece of leather. He said, but the Lord God of Israel, let me take and kill a lion with this. And he killed a bear with it. I took the lion out of the, uh, I took the, the sheep out of the lion's mouth. When he rose up against me, I slew him. And he said, if God was with me there, I've trusted this thing, I've proved it, I know it's all right, and if God will let me do that, how much more will he help me to slay that uncircumcised Philistine? Mm. What a voice for a little scrawny-looking guy like that, wasn't it? Wow, Saul said, now, 
wait a minute, you just can't go. The association won't receive you like that, you know. So we got to watch this. So he unharnessed his great big armor and stuck it on him. And poor little David was almost bullied. He couldn't hold that big thing up. That's what's the matter with a lot of fellows today, brother. You're so harnessed up with all kinds of degrees, so you can't even preach the old-fashioned gospel anymore. And so harnessed up, denominational-minded, and everything like that. The board won't let me do it. What do I care about the board? What's the board of heaven say about it? Preach the old gospel. These signs will follow them that believe. Yes, sir. Jesus, the Son of God, has raised from the dead, and he's alive today, proving himself among man. Nothing about the board. David said, take this thing off of me. I just can't stand it no longer. It kind of gets on my nerves anyhow. So he reached down there and picked up this little slingshot, tightened up his little shepherd's coat. <laughs> That's what you want to do, brother. <laughs> he said, I'm, I, I prove this. And there's one thing I can say about this old-time religion. I proved it, brother. I know it's real. <laughs> I know what I speak of. For I trusted in it when the doctor said you got three more minutes to live. Amen. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, by His amazing grace, save me. I know what I'm talking about. That's the reason I'm not ashamed to preach divine healing and the power of the resurrection of the Lord because I've trusted it down to the end of the road. I know what it'll do. I know what real genuine heartfelt faith will do in God's Word. It'll produce everything God said it would do. That's right. I don't know nothing about... How to say amen like a, you're doing, bowing all your fancy dressings and so I don't know nothing about that. But there's one thing I do know, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, and the Holy Ghost is just as free today as it was the day of hell on the day of Pentecost. The same gospel. So just unharness yourself and walk out in the open. That's right. There he was. He took his little sheep coat and put on, picked up his slingshot, felt better. You know, kind of get free, all bound down, traditional. So what's the matter with the church today? Here he goes. Runs down there and picks him up five little stones. Goliath said, do you mean to tell me that that's the best you got? Well, brother, it's more than a match for you, I'll say that. <laughs> you just don't know what's wrapped around that little old sheepskin coat there. Right. Picks up these five stone places, one in there. Why, this great big boasting infidel walked out there and cursed him in the name of his idols. Cursed David. What said, I'll take you on the end of my spear, which is like a weaver's needle longer than one of them middle tent poles. And he said, I'll take you on the end of this spear, little old boy, weigh about 110 pounds. Kind of scrawny, draw, draw it in. Little old fellow maybe didn't get too much seat back on the back side of the desert, but he stayed with God. It's amazing. Pick him up on it, so I'll pick you up on the end of this, and I'll hold you up and let the birds eat your flesh this day. Watch what David said. David said, you come to me as a Philistine, with an arm and with a spear, and in the names of your God. But said, I come to you in the name of the Lord God of Israel. This day I'll cut your head off, and I'll give your flesh to the birds. Why? Why was in his hand a slingshot? But God was with him. That's the main thing. Whether you've got a bachelor's degree or a degree of art or whatever you got, if you've got Christ in you, what difference does it make? Whether you know your ABCs or whatever you do know, as long as you know Jesus Christ and the power of his resurrection, what you have to know, Harry stood. What 
He said what he would do. And here he went. When he began to draw near, that Philistine raging mad, with his great big armor on like that, his spear hanging out to catch little old David. Little David went and took that sling out, only thing he had in his hand, put a rock in it like that, wrapped it around his fingers. Look, brother, <laughs> he had F-A-I-T-H, five, N-J-E-S-U-S, five more. Here he comes, <laughs> with a rock. When he let the rock go, God directed it right in the middle of the helmet, where the helmet should have been on that old glass, and he fell, and David jumped up on him, pulled his own sword out, and chopped his head off, and the rest of them took courage and cut the Israel, cut the Philistine army from out of the country. I'm telling you what we need today is another David who will stand over the world of God and preach the unadulterated gospel of Jesus Christ and make a few preachers take courage and go to cutting down until we get all this boasting and idiotic communistic element out of our nation in our place. Amen! And out of our churches. Oh, that's true, my friend. One time a man, one man single-handed, a big bunch of Philistines run up on him. His name is Samson. He looked all around. He didn't have nothing. But he picked up the jawbone of a mule. And the Spirit of God come upon him. And he beat out a thousand Philistines with the jawbone of a mule. Why? The Spirit of God was on him. That's what made him do it. Yes, sir. There was an old fellow one time over in the book of Judges. His name was Shamgar. Did you ever read of him? Many people very seldom ever think of Shamgar. It's over in the book of Judges. That's when every man done according to his own will, his own thought. And little Shamgar and all the rest of the Israelites, when they get their, their food into the storehouse, here come the Philistines and take them away. That's the way the devil will do. Just about the time you get things built up right and you think uh, things begin to move good, then the devil will come in. Just watch that. He'll try to come in and tear down what God has given you. Steal away. Sheep stealing dogs. That's what Paul said. That's right. After my departure, grievous wolves will enter in, not sparing the flock. You know back home what we do for a sheep-killing dog? They turn both barrels of an old shotgun on him. I'll tell you, the best thing for a sheep-stealing dog is turn both barrels here, new and old both on him. I, that'll will him down, I'll tell you. When he catches him with the hair in his teeth, that's the evidence. <laughs> All right. That's right. Someone come around and say, oh, you went out of that tent meeting, didn't you? Mm-hmm. Oh, that guy's psychic. Well, that may be so, but I'm saved. <laughs> Amen. That's right. God's doing work. A while ago, I was looking at a man talking there where he sat on a cop here, being in a cop for I don't know how long, and today is restored and normally coming into a church to take fellowship. Thanks be to God. Somebody's got courage, whatever is enough courage in you to rise up and meet the situation. Shamgar was standing there, just got all his wheat all thrashed out. That's the way the devil lets it go. Got his harvest, the hard work all done. Had it all laid up in the loft. He was standing there, and just by that time, him and his wife, his little children perhaps, stand there, he heard a noise. He raised back the side and looked down. You know what happened? There comes 600 Philistines, big old fat roly-poly, walking along there, their great big armors, tromp, tromp, tromp with their spears, coming up to take away his crop. He looked down at his poor little old wife standing there, sleeves all out, poor little kids looked pale in the face, Felicity took all he had the year before, and he seemed to have to go hungry again, there they come, 
worked all summer, all of them, done got it put up, and they knowed. When it was all laid up so they thought they'd come over and take it. There he was standing there, and he looked at that. You know, I don't mean he got angry, but maybe his righteous indignation got up. <laughs> you know, that's what ought to happen to you here on these cops and stretchers this afternoon. Just get a little mad at the devil. Say, you old lying rascal. You're a liar. Christ made me free. I don't have to sit like this no more. Get out of here. So all lying with him, brother. He hasn't got a bit of authority. Jesus stripped him of every legal right he had when he died at Calvary. The whole question of salvation and healing was settled at Calvary. That's right. He looked around. He thought, well, I, I'm not a soldier. I can't fight. I don't know nothing about fighting. And if I, if I ain't got time to get out here and learn how to duel so I can fight these fellows. But he just got all shut up and looked up right on the shelf and laid an ox goad, the Bible said. That's the thing. It's got a long stick with a piece of brass on it. They punch the cattle into their stalls and maybe when they're plowing, they rake the dirt off the end of the plow and old ox goad. Now, he didn't have time to train to fight. He was a farmer. He didn't know anything about fighting, but it was time to fight. And he said, one thing I know, I'm an Israelite. Hallelujah. I'm circumcised. I'm in the covenant. God Jehovah is with me. And he's beginning to think on those things. I can see him swinging his little hands. His wife thought, what's taking place with my husband? Brother, he grabbed that ox goat, and the only thing he had to get in his hand was an ox goat, and out that door he went and slew 600 Philistines armed. Hallelujah! What's that in your hand this afternoon? The doctor's done turned you down, and you ain't got time to piddle around with that anymore. Get right! Whatever's in your hand, God pick up the word of God that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and slay the thing and walk out with it. Hey, man, you say, well, Brother Branham, yeah, you're too timid. That's what it is. That's exactly what's the matter. I was preaching one day in an arena of a football stadium, and as I went out, I seen a little sign always encouraged me. Had a big sign there that said, it's not the size of the dog in the fight, it's the size of the fight in the dog. That's about right. It ain't how timid you are, what you are, brother, rise up! It ain't what you are, it's what Christ is, it's in you! What the power of the Holy Ghost! You say, well, my neighbors will laugh at me for God's sake. Get Christ in there and see how you can talk to your neighbor. See how life will change. I've been rough, I know I have. I've talked to you like I don't know why. But I want you to get out of that little timid condition you got here. I want you to walk out in the face. Don't be scared. What you got to be afraid of? Jesus walked boldly to Calvary. Laid his hands out and tacked up there, even to the one that tacked him. Said that he must be royal blood. He doesn't die as a coward. He died like a prince. He was a prince of the princes. He was a king of the kings. He was lord of all lords. And he's here today. Never did he flinch. Ladies, arm out, he had one motive, one alternative. Do the will of God. You do the same thing. No matter what the devil said to you, told you wasn't going to get well. Your doctor tried everything he could do. He still thinks you're not going to make it. But Jesus said you could if you believe. 
There's strangers here today. I wonder why we bow our heads just a moment for prayer. Time's getting away. Our Heavenly Father, will you give courage to some poor man or woman who's been tossed about by every wind of doctrine? They come and they don't know what to believe. Through this past week we have seen you do things, Lord, that could not be done by human beings. We've watched you. We see that you have risen from the dead and you're here today. And without any encouraging, Lord, let your Holy Spirit speak to the hearts of the people that's in here that's unsaved just now, that knows that they've just got a mental attitude towards the Word. They've never been born again. They don't know what it means to be baptized into the body of Christ by the Holy Spirit. Let them take inventory just now, Lord, and consider and whatever you put in their hand, may they raise that hand to you and give whatever little talent they have to you. If it's no more than a testimony, at least they've got a hand they can raise it. And what is it in their hand? Thou can place. We ask for Christ's sake. And while we have our heads down, and everybody praying that knows how to pray, I wonder today if while you're thinking this over, friend, this may be our last meeting time on this earth. If I should come back in six months from now, there's many here that won't be here then. I may not be here then. But this will be our last time together of an audience of this size. There's many of you that's going to go out before I see you again. Our next meeting time's over there. Remember, I'm offering you the Lord Jesus. The only thing you have to do to receive it is to believe it in your heart and accept it. And I wonder today if there's anyone that would just slip up your hand to Almighty God and say, By this, Lord, I raise my hand. I'm coming to you now. I intend to be a courageous Christian from this hour on, for I'm accepting the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. I'm raising my hand to signify the same thing to you. Would you put your hand up at this time? God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my sister. That is fine. God bless you, my brother in the back. Anyone? God bless you, my brother over here. Someone else. I now raise my hands to the Lord Jesus. God bless you, my son. I see you. Someone else. God bless you, my brother back there. I see you. God sees you. Everybody praying now. Christians, God bless you, brother, and God bless you, sister over there. I now accept the Lord Jesus. God bless you, my brother. I accept the Lord Jesus as my personal Savior. God bless you, my brother. Over there, I see your hands. God sees them too. Remember, God bless you, little boy. That's very fine. He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me has right now everlasting life because he what? Believed. So I believe, Lord. I'm now accepting it. God bless you, sir. God be with you, my brother. That's very fine. You say, Brother Graham, does that mean anything? Well, Jesus said, No man can come except my Father draws him, and all that does come, I'll give him everlasting life. Now, you, can't, you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be, have enough real principle about you to raise your hand unless God spoke to you. And because you did raise your hand, then that shows to God, I said, it's showing to God that you want to accept him right now, his beloved son in your place. God bless you, little boy. That he's here in a wheelchair, raise his hands. God be with you, honey. Oh, my. 
Oh, that didn't strike my heart. I just think there's men and women here, probably aged, that just went along and read old true story magazines and things so you just harden and callous your heart and belong somewhere and put your name on a book never know what it was to be born again and here a little cripple boy in a chair raises up his hands I want to accept the Lord Jesus just now well sure someone else now just before we pray God bless you brother Becker. I see you the aged man I see you my brother God sees you too brother Maybe you wasted a many year, but now, at this age, Jesus will receive you. What did he say? He that heareth my words, believeth on him that sent me, hath, that's right now, eternal life, everlasting, shall not come into the judgment, but passing death unto life. That's when you believe, you receive Christ in your heart. That's what Jesus said, St. John 5, 24. Look, how is it? Oh, we have different ways. Some of us wants to come to the altar. That's good. I like that. I think everybody ought to come. Come up to the altar and pray a while. Personally, yourself, you're praying there. But look, salvation is grace. It's nothing you can do. It's what God did for you. You can't come unless God calls you. Jesus said you couldn't. And then what did Jesus say? Everyone that cometh I will not cast out. He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath present tense right now eternal life and shall not come into condemnation, but has passed from death to life. The next thing you can receive now is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. After you receive Christ as your personal Savior, then you receive the Holy Spirit by the Holy Ghost baptism. Someone else, raise your hand. Say, pray for me, brother. God receive me. God bless you, little boy. God bless you, son. And God bless you back there. And the little lady in the back. God bless you, sister. That's fine. Just a few more. We've had several here. The lady right here. God bless you, sister. God bless you, sister. That's so good. Immediately after the service is over here, when the altar call, I want you all to come up around here, stand around here, and just offer your contribution to God of prayer. God will make you a real Christian. Could we just wait once more and go around and see if there just wouldn't be one more that's back there? I kind of feel it in my heart. There's just one more. The difference is whether you can raise your hand or not. If you raise your hand, that's what to ask. God bless you, my Spanish brother and sister. God bless you back there, brother. God bless you, sonny boy. God bless you, sister. God bless this man and woman sitting here. These two hands right on this side, two Young children, a young lady, God bless you, sister. You know, you're never wrong when you just go according to the Holy Spirit. God bless you. That's wonderful, my brother. God bless you, my little boy. Someone else now. Remember, what's that in your hand? God bless you, my brother. What's that in your hand? God bless you, my brother. It's Christ saying, raise up your hand now. God bless you, sister. What's in your hand? You say, well, Brother Bam, I... I'm a little timid. That don't make any difference what you are. It's what God can do with you. You just give what you got to him now. And at least you've got a hand you can raise up and say, Lord, here it is. It's all I got. I give you my hand with a true heart behind it. I'm tired of sin. I, I want to be your servant. God bless you, young man. That's very fine. All right. 
I guess 20 or 30 or more has accepted him just now. And now, God bless you, sir. God be merciful to you. Our last time together till we meet at the judgment, maybe. And I'm sure happy. God bless you, young man, sitting back there. That's good. They just keep piling through. I'm so happy for that. And you know, I believe God will give us an outstanding healing service because that you're coming and accepting. Many of you here for your first time have never seen the works of the Lord, and yet you're coming to Christ. The very Christ that you're accepting. If I'm telling the truth, you'll see him standing right there in this building performing the very same things he did when he was here on earth. It's not nothing you have to guess at, friends. God bless you, sir. God bless you, honey, the little girl right here in front of me. little tender heart. Nothing you have to guess. No more worry. No more guessing. It's all gone now. Jesus is here the last days. The Bible said, the prophet said, it'll be light in the evening time. There was a day that wasn't night or dark. Make up your mind now. Where did the sun shine first? On the Oriental people in the east. Mathematically, geographically, it travels westward. Civilization moved from the east to the west. And when it shined out on the people in the east first, what happened? A great Holy Ghost revival amongst the Easterners. Then it come a day where theology, churches, denominations blinded it out. The Bible said it's a day that it's not dark, it's a gloomy. They've had enough light to believe that Jesus was the Son of God. They never had miracles and signs. They believed it was a day past. But the prophet said, it'll be light in the evening. The Western people now is receiving their light. Don't turn it down. The lights are shining. The same Holy Spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost is right here doing the same things. Oh, we got a lot of fanaticism. I'll admit that, friend. But we have to have that. Remember, scarecrows is around the best apple tree. So now just remember, Jesus Christ is still the Son of God. And those things have to happen. The gospel cannot be preached without observation. We know that. The Bible said so. So don't look at that. Look at Jesus. It's life. The evening time is here now. Is there another anywhere before we pray? It's made up of my... God bless you, sister dear. That's very fine of you. God bless you, sister over here. That's good of you. God sees your hand. Now shall we pray. God bless you, brother. That's good. God be merciful to you. God bless you, little lady over there. Raise your hand. Be merciful to you is my prayer. Now shall we pray in every Christian... In your own way now, I pray for these who've just come to Christ. Dear God, as I know now I'm standing here between the living and dead, I've had to talk real hard this afternoon because I felt you put it up on my heart even after I got here. You said, shake the people. And I just talked your word. And now some 30 or 40 hands just went up. I hope I'm not misjudging them, Lord. I believe they were everyone sincere. They raised up their hands because it's something spoke to their hearts. And I'm quoting to you your word, Lord Jesus, who will meet him down there at the river one of these days when death is choking him in the throat. The doctors walked away from the house and said, Well, he'll never come out of that attack. The baby's laying there choking out with pneumonia. The little children or whatever it might be. The mothers and dads just live a long life and the death angel sits at the foot of the bed. The old cold vapors of the Jordan floating in their face. But he'll be there. 
He said, He shall not come into condemnation, but pass from death unto life. May the morning star come out and light up the way for them. And when the clouds are thrown down on top of the casket, may the old pine trees whisper, There's a land beyond the river. They'll remember when that hour strikes that today, because you spoke to their heart, they raise their hands. Way over in the other land, I may never get to shake their hand here, but God grant that in a new world, where there's no death or sorrow, no sadness or sickness, may I shake every one of their hands there. They say, Brother Renan, was that evening I heard you preach so hard about man must receive Christ and walks in your hand, and I raised my hand to Christ, and he received me. And here I am today by the blessings and grace of Christ. Will you do that for us, Father? We ask in the name of thy beloved Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. That's all I ask you to do. Oh, all things are possible. Don't stir around. Sit real still. Probably a little old mother, gray-haired. Think about my mother's home when I think of her. My mother's about that size, but my mother's almost a half Indian. She's her hair's cold black. But you know, it's like the Indians do when they get a little old, get heavy. But maybe somebody's mother wearing a wedding band on her hand. Only God knows what's passed through them old hands. It might have smoothed back the tears from the crying baby's eyes a many times. Years ago, maybe as a little girl, a mother might have picked her up and kissed her finger when she heard it rock her to sleep. That old mother's crossed over the border long ago. Maybe something's wrong with her today that a mother couldn't kiss away. But there's somebody here who can't kiss it away. I don't know. I've never seen her. Don't even know if she speaks English or not. I don't know. You speak English, lady? You do. But you're really not English. You're German, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Trying. Until I see you at Alice Beter's room. Me not knowing you and you not knowing me. I just left your land. Feel the story of a little blind German girl getting her sign. The cars grew. Wonderful meeting. There's around 50,000 in Germany come to Christ, the same as 50,000 nearly in Switzerland come to Christ. Your people's all beat down over there. They got enough of Hitler. They want Christ now. They're lovely. They treated me like I was their brother. Thanks, Lord, is right. You know, Mother, me not knowing you, I wouldn't stand here. I'd feel too little as a gentleman to stand before an old person like you, a mother, and try to be a deceiver. I'd be honest enough to take this from around my neck and walk away from this building. I want to help you. I want to do something for you if you can, because you're a Christian. That's right. You got a wonderful feeling to your spirit. It's already coming to meet me. And I know you're a Christian. 
and God knows your need, doesn't he? And if God will let me to you like he did you his son at the well at Samaria, the audience knows that when Jesus went up to Samaria, sat at the well, sent his disciples away, and a woman come out. She was a woman of Samaria. And he said, bring me a drink. You ever read that? The audience ever read that? He was trying to get a conversation with her. She said, it's not customary for Samaritans, uh, uh, Jews to ask Samaritans such. He said, but if you know who you were talking to, you'd ask me for a drink. While she went on with the conversation, well, finally he was, what was he doing? Finding her spirit, the same thing I'm doing right here. She's German, I'm Irish. One was a Samaritan, he let her know there's no dividing lines. God loves all people. Well, she said, he said, go get your husband. He found her trouble. She was living illegally, unmarried. Said, go get your husband. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, that's right, she got five. Well, she said, I perceive that you are a prophet. Now listen here, don't forget this. She said, we know that when the Messiah cometh, that's Christ, we're taught that when Messiah cometh, that he'll do these things. What? Know the secrets of their heart. Like he know hers. Know where her trouble was. That was the sign of the Messiah. Is that right? Said, we know when Messiah cometh, he'll know these things, tell us all these things. But she didn't know who he was. He said, I'm he that speaks to you. And then she ran in and said, come see a man. Now, if he's the Messiah has resurrected, you know I'd be unworthy or anybody else, but somebody has to be chosen for this, doesn't it? Well, then, if the Messiah has resurrected, I'm telling the truth, and me standing here beside you, Messiah, the Spirit, can tell through my lips, if you have faith enough to do it, to tell you what you're here for, like that woman was. Couldn't he? Will the audience believe it if he does? May he grant it is my prayer. Our Lord, I'm trusting in you, in Jesus' name. It's so hard after preaching to get the anointing of the Holy Ghost. But it's here. The same angel you see on the paper is not two foot from where I'm standing. A woman suffering with a nervous condition. And she's also got something other about putting a thing along the arm. It's a high blood pressure. She's got high blood pressure. You have stomach trouble also. And you've got two tumors in here. That's true, isn't it? Ah, uh, you believe? That go receive your healing. Jesus, make you well. Have faith. Just don't die. But believe with all your heart that Jesus, the Son of God, has risen from the dead. How do you do, lady? I am certainly glad to get to see you, and may God be with you. I perceive that you are a Christian right away. Now, I wish to speak to you just a moment upon a subject not knowing you,
a man appeared just on the scene, but was too young to be, as it was her son, just a moment. Um, no, it's a lady sitting right there praying for her unsaved husband, sitting right back here. That's right, a young lady with a little black hat on, kind of got hair hanging down. She's got an unsaved husband she's praying for. She holds a handkerchief in her hand. That is right, lady, isn't it? Raise up your hand. That's true. Your faith, lady, is great. May God grant you your request. I believe he will. When you meet him, tell him that Jesus is speaking to him. Now, I only... Now, you see what I mean? I doubt the lady. Did you have a prayer card, lady? You don't have a prayer card? No. See, you'd never be called in the line without a prayer card. You don't need one, do you? See, it's already answered. See, you don't need any prayer card. It ain't a prayer card. It's your faith. Trying to get away from the prayer card situation. I had nothing to do with it. Just a person standing here. Just be faithful and loving and loud and breathe the Lord Jesus. Yes, the lady standing before me is a Christian, and she's suffering with a, a blood pressure, and she's real nervous, and she's uh, got a, a gallbladder trouble, a nervous upset brings her to a blood pressure, and uh, there's something strange about you. your healing once before on the same thing but you got too haughty with the black and got away and by the way you are a, you are a missionary or you've been a missionary and I see another man that's your husband he was a Pentecostal preacher but he's in glory he's gone on but he and you're still got something in your mind. You are trying to figure out what you must do with the rest of your life, and you're trying to make a decision, and you feel that you're to go east of here, towards the eastern states, to finish your life in mission work. That's thus saith the Lord. That is true. What he said is the truth, isn't it? Yeah. That wasn't me, that was him. Every word truth. It always is. Now go on your road rejoicing and saying. Now go be humble and sweet, and Jesus will be with you. That's saying thanks be to God. Does thou believe? If you can believe, all things are possible. Saying, let's see, usher there, you got trouble with your neck. You want Jesus to heal you. You believe Jesus will do it, sir? You do? Wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> sure is. See, the man sitting right next to you, the little girl there, has a, um, a trouble in the lower part of his body. Prostrate glands is making him nervous, getting up at night, and so forth. 
He has a stomach trouble and things that's bothering him because he's made him so nervous. That is right, isn't it, sir? You're healed. Christ makes you well. They're right around you. That's all you need is faith to believe. How do you do, sir? I'm a stranger to you, sir. We do not know each other. I've never seen you in my life. But that first time you ever saw me, all right. Now, if that is true, raise up your hand for the audience to see. First time we've ever met. And me not knowing you, yet God knows you. I, I don't, I have no way of knowing you. It's God that knows you. But you're suffering with some kind of a coughing condition, an asthmatic condition you have. And you also have a stomach trouble. You cough, it's a dry cough, but your stomach is worth, oh, here's what it is. Sir, you need healing, but you need salvation too. That's right. You've been a drinker. I see you standing drinking whiskey and drinks that you shouldn't drink. That's right. Your glass is open before God. And I'll tell you something that you might know to believe me to be his prophet. For the last week or two, you've been praying, trying to get right, haven't you? Well, your stomach trouble is gone. Your sins are forgiven. Go and be baptized, calling on the name of the Lord. And you shall have it. God bless you, my brother. You are my brother now. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Don't come down you. Confess your sins first. Amen. Just the same as the woman up there. He knows your heart. Don't move. Believe. How do you do, lady? We are strangers to each other. But God knows us both, doesn't he? You are suffering with a nervous trouble, and you have trouble in your neck also. That is true. You have a tumor. You have stomach trouble. I see you moving from a table. Can't eat. You got ulcers. Now something happened, ain't it? A strange feeling come to you. Now go eat. Don't die. You'll be made well. God bless you. You're entirely welcome. It's not me, sister. It's him. Just have faith and believe. If thou canst believe. Little lady, you'll never go blind. Your eyes will bother you sitting there. But you wouldn't go blind if you believed the Lord Jesus. Is that right? You're praying for your eyes. The lady next to you, both of you, got eye trouble. That's right. You don't wear glasses. But your, your nose and your eyes seem to be deadening and you can't see everything clear. Isn't that right? I see you trying to read a book, pushing it up and backwards like this. Is that true? If it is, stand up. Both of you. That's the condition of both of you. Now may the Lord give you your sight is my sincere prayer. Have faith in God. Just don't die. But believe and you shall receive. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Oh, how wonderful. Sir, he heard your prayer just then. Yeah? You move your head, hand over your face, sitting right back to a gray suit on. 
You're all thrilled about something, but you have all the lot of it. Right? You were praying about it then. You said, Lord, let him speak to me. I see you a stomach trouble, too, you've been bothered with. That is right, sir. I see a woman standing by your gray headed wearing glasses. She's just been healed. It's your wife. Then this me. That is right. Now go home. Your eyes are out as you finish. Your faith has saved you, my brother. Does God believe? All things are possible. Have faith. If you can believe, you'll be exceedingly abundantly above all that you could do or think. Lady, when I was talking about eyes to this woman a while ago, the second woman of me ended up there. She's wearing glasses. You believe it happened then? Right here at the end. If you believe it, you're going to have what you ask for. Amen. Yes, I'm talking to you. Sitting there praying. Amen. See? How would he quote, how would I hear the same prayer that you're praying? Because I was standing with you. Amen. Is this the patient? A young girl like this being a patient? How do you do, young lady? You're a very fine little lady, but I perceive that you are a Christian. God give us more girls like you, Christians. I wish I could do something for you, my young sister, to help you. Of course I can, I'm a man. But the Lord who you serve can do it. Now, Nathaniel came to the Lord Jesus. He told him he was a believer too. In this day and time, and especially on this west coast here, where so many young ladies live so carelessly, how would I know you as a Christian? The same reason I know you're here for me to pray for you. And what you want me to pray for you is concerning a growth. And that's a lump over your side. That's true. Amen. Now, you believe me now as his prophet? May I say this to you to make you believe more? You're interested in two boys. That's right. One of them is a, kind of a dope fiend. The other one is a, a juvenile delinquent. And you're praying for those boys. Is that the truth, young lady? You've received what you asked for. Go ahead and let your faith fail. God will be with you, my little sister. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Does I believe? Strange. Something happened when I see standing here somebody that I know. Standing up in the air. It's a man who's singing. It's one of the singers from here. It's a Mr. Eckberg. And he's praying for somebody. That's a young girl. It's his daughter. And she's suffering with a female trouble. Don't fear, sir, if you're near. God will heal her. Amen. I believe I've seen Mr. Egbert. Is he in the building? 
There was a man with glasses on wearing a brown suit as Egbert. I don't know him, but it was something wrong with some of his people. Does anybody here know it? Would you raise your hand? Somebody know it? All right, that's fine. All right. If he's not here, tell him where he's at, please. He's praying, and God has heard his prayer. He's appeared here before me in the tent. God knows I know nothing about his family, but there is something happened to his family just then. Mr. Eckberg was dying. He was going down in a plane. He called on the Lord. I was sitting in a mountain hunting, and God gave me a vision to pray for him. The landing gears come down in a plane where he would be stuck, and he landed safely and safely. Only believe. Have faith. Is the patient, what is it? Mr. Eckberg is over here. Oh, Mr. Eckberg. There's you in the line, brother. Don't, don't fear no more. Go away. It's all right. You were praying? Was whatever he said true? It's true? God bless you then. Come. You believe? You got a real nervous condition. It's causing you to have many things wrong. One thing is the vegetation in your stomach. You've got stomach trouble. It's caused from a nervous condition. Your food's greases and things certainly doesn't agree with you. But it's true. You believe now? I'm getting very weak. Would you just come here? Father, I bless the woman who thou does do this miracle on. May she be healed in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't doubt, just leave. Would you come, lady? Just don't leave too far. Just a moment, sister. You believe with all your heart? Will you accept me as his servant? Now the angel said, if you get the people to believe you, that's not believe me as them, God, the Holy Ghost, but believe that they sent me. See, that's the only way I could help you for you to believe me if you don't have faith to believe that I've told the truth about the Lord. I couldn't help you. If you believe that, then I can help you. If you do, then you won't have female trouble no more. <laughs> now you can go and be made well. Let us say thanks be to God. Come, little lady. I want to ask you something. Look here just a moment. Let me turn around towards the audience. There's just about 60% of this audience suffering with the same thing you have. It's just coming like one big blast from the audience. You're nervous, aren't you, sister? You just can't hold yourself together at times. Sometimes you think you'd always take your own life. You wonder what's going to happen. And in your religious experience and so forth, you've never been satisfied just exactly. You've always wondered what was, that's right. It's true. And you've worn a closer walk with him. And then sometimes Satan has told you, just recently, when you're in a room by yourself, said, you crossed the line. I'm not reading your mind, but that's true, isn't it? See, he lied to you, sister. You're here right now. See? You don't have to worry. You're going to rejoicing. And God made this demon curse that's been on this child. Come out and leave, and may she be filled with your spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Are you, you really don't have to be prayed for. Do you have the same thing? Do nervous troubles bothering you? Let me show you something. Everybody bothered with nervous trouble, raise up your hand out there. See it? God bless you. Jesus, you can heal right here. You can heal right there, don't you believe it? Everybody with nervous trouble, stand up on your feet just a minute. I see something. Stand here just a moment. Come here. Just remain standing. Do you believe? If I be God's prophet and I've represented Jesus right and claim that he gave a gift that I yield myself to him and your faith can tell me what's wrong with you, would you believe it? I need your condition. The lady's condition. Now, everyone out there that's got a new stand to your feet. Just everyone in the building. Stand up with a new condition. Female, stand up on your feet. Stand right here just a minute. Come, lady. You just take your same place because you had that same condition. Maybe you just stay right there just a minute. Just keep standing to your feet. You're going to see something in a moment. If them demons out there are screaming here for help, if you have to leave ways to feed it out there too. Have faith. Does thou believe? If thou canst believe, all things, just remain right there. I've got some things as easy for Jesus to heal, isn't it? You believe him? Now all the stuff, I've got to raise your hand out there. Just remain to your feet. You just can, you just can't. Hold your hand over your heart. Have faith in God. Same thing as you running behind you and you had the same thing. Let's say thank you to I believe something else to happen. The lady here is right a lady. It's moving right down here. Have faith. Believe. Bring the patience. Come here, lady. Do you believe me to be just a moment? I was touched at the same time. How many suffers with heart trouble? Stand on your feet. With heart trouble, this woman has heart trouble too. Have faith, stand here just a moment. Believe it. Come, is it the baby, sister? Turn it around here. All right, move back in your asthmatic condition, coughing. All with asthmatic trouble, stand on your feet just a minute. Are you good? Just a minute. What's in your hand? Satan's defeated. He's exposed, Christian. What about Mother, you're trying to get up off that cot. The devil loves you. It's a mental condition. The devil says it's a mental condition. Don't you believe him? Jesus Christ defeats a mental condition. He runs the devil from you. I see your faith that stand up on the cot and ask the cot and accept my healing and believe and have faith in God and the rest of you. Whatever's wrong with you, the whole thing's fading out. It looks like getting milky all around. Put your hands over on each other. We're going. Here it is. This is it. 